I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. (laughs) Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In this bonus episode of Kiwi birth tales, in this bonus bonus In this bonus episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Claudia, who is a New Zealand registered fertility dietitian and nutritionist. She has over eight years experience with a special interest in epigenetics, which I had no idea what that was, so I'll let her explain it, and also mood food through so the gut-brain connection. Uh, She loves helping clients optimize their chance of IVF success through nutrition and is particularly passionate about the critical importance of nutrition in the first 1,000 days. Claudia has launched Fertility Nutrition and she sees clients in person in Christchurch and also virtually online. She has heaps of great information on her website which is fertilitynutrition.co.nz and you can also book a free chat with her through that as well. Claudia is also the first Kiwi to be affiliated with Nutrition Plus which is an Australasian group of private practice dietitians who specialize in preconception fertility, pregnancy, women's health and early life nutrition. In this bonus episode, Claudia takes us through some really interesting questions that you sent in through the Instagram page about fertility and pregnancy nutrition. Uh, She also covers PCOS and lots of other interesting topics too. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I'd love to hear your feedback and I really hope that you get something helpful out of it. Hi Claudia, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi Jordan, thanks for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you just so we can get to know you before we get started? Sure. Um, Well, I'm a a fertility dietitian. Um, I've been in practice for over eight years as a dietitian, um, and I've worked in lots of areas um, of dietetics, but I last year I launched Fertility Nutrition, which is my private practice, um, and I see women um struggling to conceive going through fertility treatment uh, and preconception and in pregnancy and early life nutrition introducing solids uh, for little little ones and uh, also women with women's health conditions such as endometriosis polycystic ovarian syndrome Hashimoto's thyroiditis um, women going through menopause so yeah it's um I absolutely love it it's I guess it's a, a an interesting area of nutrition and dietetics because yeah. for me it combines several aspects which really which I'm really passionate about. So um, I guess the first thing is um, for me is the epigenetics. So being able to 
have an influence on the disease risk of children as adults at preconception. So influencing what a mother and father eats prior to conception can have such a big impact on disease risk for um, for the, the for their offspring as an adult. Um, and then obviously with um, helping women trying to conceive and quite a therapeutic approach to nutrition in that area and it's very customised and very therapeutic and um, um, I find that incredibly uh, rewarding work and yeah. um, and then the third component for me is the gut-brain connection so being able to influence um, mood through food and I think that um, anyone who's been through fertility treatment will be able to give testament to the fact that it's a an incredibly anxiety-inducing journey and um, with diet being a modifiable risk factor, it's lovely to be able to support people through that process with food to prevent depression and anxiety and reduce the severity of symptoms. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's that's a little bit about me and why I do what I do. Yeah, awesome. What an interesting um, career path. Very, very cool. Awesome. So what I'll do now is um, we've got a list of questions from the podcast listeners from Instagram. So I asked our followers to send me through some questions that they wanted to ask you and I'll just jump straight into them because I know I sent you a huge list and I'm sure we could talk for hours. Um, so the first one is, are you able to explain a little bit about how nutrition is linked to fertility? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess the first thing that, that uh, springs to mind is a 2007 study by the Harvard School of Public Health by Shivara et al. And they studied more than 17,500 women. And what they showed is that if you can change five diet and lifestyle factors, you can improve your fertility by 69%. So that's pretty, pretty phenomenal stats. And uh, I guess the that is defined like in terms of what those dietary changes and lifestyle changes were. Um, obviously, you know, quitting smoking, um, increasing your physical activity if you're not doing much, but having lower intakes of trans fats and increasing your intake of monounsaturated fats. So um, that would be things like avocado for example but having a lower intake of animal protein uh, which is quite interesting and having a higher intake of vegetable protein or plant-based protein Uh, having higher intakes of low glycemic carbohydrates and which is great because (laughs) Carbs are often demonized, so I'm a big advocate for um, good quality carbohydrates in the diet. Um, and an interesting thing that they found was actually having a, um, um, intake of high, the full fat, um, whole fat dairy products was associated to better fertility outcomes. Um, and higher iron intake from plant sources. So that's your non-heme iron. Um, so there's some of the factors that um, were teased out from this Harvard study, which showed um, improved new, uh, fertility rates. 
And I yeah. think if we look at it from take a step back and and I, I touched um, on it briefly earlier about the epigenetics, so the the ability for nutrition to silence genes or um, in another way of saying it is, is turning off genes that can go on to develop diseases such as diabetes and cardiovascular disease, asthma, allergies and autoimmune, autoimmune conditions like Crohn's disease. Um, so what uh, a mother and a father eats in that first 1,000 days um, of a child's life, which starts prior to conception, can influence that child's risk for disease as an adult. So yeah. there are um, not only is you know nutrition strongly linked to improving rates of fertility, but it's also um, linked to reducing disease risk as an adult for that child. So it's um, I think it's a a really important area to work in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, it's got me thinking about all the things that I. <laughs> Um, during my pregnancy, but we won't go into that. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Sometimes it's just yeah, about survival. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, next question is: Are there any foods I should be avoiding when trying to get pregnant? Yeah, I love this question. So generally, I I don't like to demonize foods, um, because you know I think that all foods have a have a place in our diet, really. Um, uh, but yes there are foods that we can avoid. Um, so my first recommendation would be to quit sugary drinks if you're having those. And that's because um, there was some research by um, Hatch et al. And they found that having just, just one sugary drink can reduce your chance of conception by 20%. And that's wow. one drink per day. So that is an easy thing hopefully for people to be able to cut out and, and mm -hmm. um, avoid. Um, and another thing is having foods high in saturated fat, such as fast foods and butter and fried foods and cakes and biscuits. Um, so reducing those can significantly improve your chance of conception. But I've actually, um, I've actually recently created the Fertility Dirty Dozen and that's a list I created specifically for our New Zealand food supply. Um, and you can, you can, if you head over to my website, you can download that for free. Um, website is fertilitynutrition.co.nz and that lists 12 foods that could be hurting your fertility. Um, and it's, speci yeah, it's specific for New Zealand because there is a dirty dozen list that's been in circulation, but it's based on the American food supply. And so right. I created this one based on the research around fertility and conception um, and on the NZ food supply. So I think people would probably find that useful. But my top two recommendations are definitely sugary drinks and saturated fat. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Um, next question. What supplements, if any, should I be taking? Yeah. So this one is a massive question. And I, um, and so I won't be able to go into every single supplement but first and yeah. foremost is folic acid so if you're trying to conceive and you're not taking folic acid then you need to start um it's and i'm sure that 
um, everyone listening probably is like, yeah, 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 we know about folic acid. Mm -hmm. um, but it is associated with reducing your risk for neural tube defects. And it's also associated with improving fertility rates and reducing miscarriage. Um, but uh, I think the key message that I'd like to get across is that the dose of folic acid that you require is very um, individual and dependent on your individual risk and family history and medical conditions and medications that you're taking. So for some people who might have a higher BMI or have celiac disease or taking anti-convulsant medication, for example, or have celiac disease, I'm not sure if I said that, um, they need a higher dose of folic acid. And then we have to take into consideration if you are going through fertility treatment or are having a recurrent miscarriage, then you might have um, the MTHFR gene defect, which means that you would be better off having a different form of folate in a supplement. Um, and you know, we could probably spend a whole hour talking about this particular <laughs> supplement. So I'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, I think that you know, given that 40% of New Zealand pregnancies are unplanned, I can't stress enough how important it is to take folic acid before you stop your contraception. Because it's a common myth that if you come off the pill, it's going to take me ages to get pregnant. Yeah. But for some people, they can get pregnant straight away. And so supplementing for at least one to three months prior to coming off the pill so prior to conception, that's recommended. Um, okay. Yeah, and the other thing that I um, would recommend is a probably a good quality multivitamin. I like to have my clients take a good quality one. Um, and that's really to optimize their nutrient stores for the embryogenesis, so that rapid fire of cell division which happens in early pregnancy. Um, and it kind of um, all the different nutrients have a role in as cofactors, or they all have, that's where they sort of have a role in the um, metabolic process in cell division. So if we can take a good quality multivitamin, then on top of a, a good diet, then that uh, can be really beneficial. And I think that the majority of women that I see really aren't getting enough um, omega-3 fatty acids, your marine sources of EPA and DHA. So that's a common supplement that I would recommend to women, taking a good quality um, fish oil supplement or an algae-based supplement, which has uh, good levels of EPA and DHA. Um, if, you're not take, if you're not eating two serves of oily fish a week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, next question is, what are the most important nutrients to get into my body when I'm trying to conceive? So I'm assuming that this question is based around food and not around um, extra supplements. Yeah, great. So, um, and, and that's, yeah, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head right there, Jordan. You could um, take, over, take over my <laughs> role here. So um, the literature is quite clear that a whole dietary pattern is key. So you can take a whole lot of supplements, but it's never going to replace a good diet. And in fact, you're probably wasting your time in taking supplements unless you change your diet. Um, they, supplements are to supplement a good diet. Um, so if I were to pick 
the top three nutrients um, to get into your body when you're trying to conceive. Folate would be number one. And non-heme iron, so um, iron from plant sources to improve rates of conception, and DHA, which is one of your marine sources of essential fatty acids, which is a critical um, fat for cell membranes, particularly in our brain. So really key for um, that developing fetus. And yeah. Um, we know that folic acid is critical for reducing neural tube defects, but also B12 and choline also play a role in reducing this risk. And interestingly, you know, only 1% of Australian women meet their choline requirements. Um, right. So, and we don't have New Zealand data on choline intakes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that is a bit of a, a, a concern. And yeah. choline's um, involved with, the cell division, um, B12 metabolism. So that also plays a role in reducing the neural tube defects along with folic acid. Um, and iodine is also really important. So if we're thinking about um, improving baby's IQ, which I'm sure we all want to achieve, <laughs> then um, iodine plays a key role in that. So there are lots of nutrients, but I think what would be helpful is if we took a step back and thought about, okay, macronutrients. So rather than thinking about the, the micronutrients, which we've been talking about, thinking about the macronutrients, so protein, carbohydrate, and fats, and kind of simplified things a little bit for people. Um, so if we can have more plant protein in your diet, then that is excellent. So switching just 25 grams per day of animal protein for plant protein can improve fertility by 50%. Um, so what that looks like in day-to-day terms is if you're making a spaghetti bolognese, you might like to um, use half the amount of mints that you might normally use, and then you'd add in a, can, a tin um, of legumes. So you might add in some red split peas or red split lentils, um, or chickpeas, kidney beans um, as an example, and that's an easy way to make that switch. Um, yeah. affordable and tastes good too and I have trialled that one on my husband and it's um, mm-hmm. got the, the got the <laughs> tick of approval so um, yeah 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 and so that's a protein example from a carbohydrate perspective we want to be thinking about whole grain carbohydrates um, with lower glycemic index so um, if you're choosing a bread Try and look for breads which have got more than 6 grams of dietary fibre per 100 grams um, or choosing a, a, a sourdough which is um, has lower GI. Again, choosing wholemeal pastas as opposed to your standard white pasta. Yeah. Or, or you could try things like quinoa or brown rice instead of white rice. Um, and then if we looked at the fats, we want to have less butter and fried foods and less coconut oil and have more healthy fats such as avocado, extra virgin olive oil, nuts and seeds and oily fish. I think um, a really interesting fact is that actually whole fat dairy products are associated with improved fertility compared to lower fat varieties. Yeah, that's really interesting. So that's, 
Yeah, it's really interesting, hey? So I think the literature on dairy is really conflicted, but there's enough to know that we shouldn't be excluding it. Yeah, so I think if we look at food from a, you know, think about food as food as opposed to the individual nutrients and and trying to adopt a Mediterranean-style diet, you know, with legumes and lots of vegetables, fruit, um, whole grain cereals and um, breads and cereals and not too much red meat, lots of oily fish, seafood, um, then that can give you a really nutritious diet and um, improve your chances of conceiving and really improve your health as well. Yep. Okay. Awesome. And next question on the list is, do you have any tips for polycystic ovary syndrome sufferers and what they should be eating? Yes, I sure do. So <laughs> um, I think PCOS is really is is really tough but um yeah. the rescue really lies in adopting a lifestyle that can reduce oxidative stress um so i do think it's very important to work with a dietitian if you have pcos because there's um there's lots of nutrition treatment that will be helpful to address those symptoms um hirsutism and acne um, yeah, insulin resistance, for example, and we know that women with PCOS unfortunately have higher risks for cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes, and it's um, it's an inflammatory condition. So we want to be adopting an anti-inflammatory diet to to help reduce that oxidative stress. Um, so. Again, there's a common theme as we're talking, um, but the, the nurses' health study, and they, they had over 18,000 nurses, um, and those with PCOS had the highest, who had the highest plant protein intake, actually had the lowest rates of infertility. So I think that speaks volumes, you know, that the core food yeah. group probably in New Zealand that we're missing is the legumes. And so if we can increase the legumes, then that will be um, excellent for PCOS and infertility. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, I find this really interesting. Women with PCOS are 19 times more likely to have a magnesium deficiency. Yeah, so magnesium is important for helping to reduce blood pressure and also helps in with improving insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is obviously one of the core underlying factors of PCOS. Um, so magnesium-rich foods are a good idea. Um, so thinking about your nuts and seeds. Um, and omega-3 fatty acids from oily fish, so they're really key. They can help to improve your lipid profile, so helping... Um, to get your cholesterol levels um, looking good. They can also help reduce your waist circumference, which is going to have an impact on your insulin resistance and reduce your intervals between periods, so going to help to regulate your cycles. Um, but again, it's a Mediterranean dietary pattern that's going to be beneficial 
for women with PCOS with high fiber intake. Yes. Um, and if you are overweight, then achieving some weight loss is, is quite critical. But when I say weight loss, I'm not talking about drastic weight loss. I'm talking about 5% of your body weight. So if you're 100 kilos, that's 5 kilograms. And yeah. just that amount can have significant clinical benefits for reducing risk of diabetes, um, excess androgens, and improving fertility. Um, yeah. yeah, so that, that uh, there's a lot we can do with PCOS. And I think for if there are any women listening to this, some um, quick take-home things to try, um, I would recommend spearmint tea having that a few times a day and that's um, that can reduce excess androgens and help to reduce um, unwanted hair growth um, and cinnamon can be really useful for helping to improve insulin resistance it's not going to be as beneficial as metformin which um, uh, a lot of women will take if they do have um, insulin resistance um, but if you are taking metformin, then I would recommend getting a regular vitamin B12 blood test and supplementing with B12 because people on metformin with PCOS have an 11-fold increase for B12 deficiency. So that's something that uh, you need to be really mindful of if you are taking that medication. It's a wonderfully effective medication, but you do need to just keep an eye on your B12. Um, and uh, turmeric is another. Turmeric is wonderfully anti-inflammatory. So um, yeah, that's that's definitely so. Spearmint tea, cinnamon, turmeric are some quick, easy things that you can add to your diet. Um, yeah. yeah. So I hope I hope women find can take some things away from from that and start. Um, making some small adjustments, but I think that it's a condition that women would really benefit from working with a dietitian who who work with PCOS. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Next question on the list is, do you recommend taking a probiotic? Yeah. So this, um, on the whole, yes, but it does depend on, on your individual situation and whether or not, and, and what you're trying to treat. So there is evidence, for example, for people who have got a history of eczema and they're wanting to prevent eczema in their newborn baby, that if they take a particular strain, the HN001, then that can reduce the eczema severity in their infant. So and that's when the mother is taking the probiotic. So yes, I do recommend probiotics, but it is strain-specific. So you want to make sure that you're taking the right strain or a probiotic, which is broad spectrum and includes a strain that you're trying to address. So for instance, IBS sufferers, there are specific strains that can be beneficial for them. Um, I think that they can be really effective. I've had wonderful results for clients who've had um, IBS and have taken a really good quality probiotic and have, have had huge improvements in their gut symptoms so I do um, think that they can have a, a big benefit and you know also with endometriosis 
and thinking about uh, you know our vaginal microbiome and the influence that that can have on fertility. Again, having specific strains uh, which are high in lactobacillus um, are going to be beneficial for those yeah. women. So yeah, it's a it's a really interesting area. There's still so much more research that we need, but um, yeah, they may for some women you may be completely wasting your money. Yeah. But for others, they can they can be really beneficial. And I think it's always about, whenever you're thinking about supplements, it's always about doing no harm. So what's safe? What can we trial which has got some evidence to support it? But always looking at, if we are supplementing, making sure that there's no um, risk for causing harm. Yeah, so I think that's really key. Okay, awesome. Uh, next question that we'll jump to is, do you have any nutritional advice for trying to avoid an early miscarriage? Yeah, I love this question. So quick take-home fact, two pieces of fruit a day can help reduce your rates of miscarriage. Wow. So, yeah, fascinating. Mm. So, and, and that's sort to of be due to the antioxidant content in, in fruit. So, um that's something to aim for. There is um, reason behind the five plus a day. Um, <laughs> but following the Mediterranean diet is going to be really beneficial. So again, lots yeah. of veggies, fruit, legumes, whole grain, breads and cereals, oily fish. It's very anti-inflammatory and high in antioxidants and um, that will be really beneficial. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, next question. This is an interesting one. I'm interested in your um, take on this. So views mm. on a vegetarian diet and fertility. I think there's certainly benefit for switching some animal protein for plant protein. So if you, uh, I, I think I mentioned earlier, but just switching 25 grams of your animal protein for plant protein can um, increase your fertility by 50%. So there is research to support it. And I've got no problem with, with women following a plant-based diet or a, a vegetarian diet um, at preconception for fertility and through pregnancy, but they just need to know what they're doing. So you need to supplement with vitamin B12 and you need to keep an eye on your iron levels through a blood test and you should be supplementing with EPA and DHA, your omega-3 fatty acids, they're your marine sources, and also choline. Um which is, you know, quite difficult to get in our diet. Um, so, yeah, I think it can have real benefits. There are risks, but if you have got a really good understanding, um, then, it, and and you do supplement with certain nutrients, then I think that it is completely safe, and yeah. in some instances can improve. Um, you know, absolutely improve your fertility. Um, but I do think it's such an important area, preconception and pregnancy. It's important that you do work with a dietitian if you're following a plant-based diet. And yeah. I would continue working with a dietitian throughout your pregnancy because your nutrient requirements change and iron deficiency is really common in pregnancy, particularly yeah, sure. in your third trimester. So, yeah, really working with it, keeping a close eye, Working with a dietitian would be very much recommended. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. 
Um, and I actually know where this next question has come from for quite a few people who get lots of messages about it. So things to encourage fertility while still breastfeeding. Yes, this is a challenging one. So um, I guess the thing is, is that you can still get pregnant when you're breastfeeding. It is an old wives' tale that says that you mm-hmm. can't. You can, but your chances are much lower. Um, and I think one of the things that clients really are quite stunned about is that your energy requirements and nutrient requirements and lactation are actually greater than even in your third trimester of pregnancy. So my number one tip is to ensure that you're actually eating enough food, eating enough calories, getting enough energy in. Um, because if you're not having enough energy or if you've been breastfeeding for a long time and your body fat stores have really reduced, then that's going to affect your body body's ability to, to ovulate. Um, I do recommend checking your iron, keeping an eye on that, because we know iron deficiency is very common in third trimester of pregnancy and can roll into lactation as well. Um, and I would aim for a good amount of protein in your diet from animal and plant sources. So aiming for one gram per kilogram of protein per day. So if you're um, you know, 70 kilo woman, that's 70 grams of protein per day. Um, yep. So that can be quite challenging for women to get enough, particularly if they're breastfeeding and um, <laughs> not getting much sleep. And, yeah. you know, you have to be quite um, sort of almost military about things. You have to have some snack stations and hydration stations <laughs> and, um, you know, planning your meals and having some meals in the deep freeze and, um, you know, if you've got family support, getting them to make you some, some meals as well. Um, and having good snacks on hand and, and nuts and fruit and yogurt are, are good, excellent, um, snacks to have, cheese and crackers. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, your body's going to, um, your body's really clever because it's, it's reducing your, likelihood of becoming pregnant while you're breastfeeding because nutrient stores are so intense and also yeah um you your body's trying to recover from from pregnancy so you know it's trying to give itself time to replenish its stores so ideally one to two years is what we want to replenish our nutrient stores after pregnancy um yeah so I think your body's going to do what it's going to do and ensuring that you feed it well um, is going to help it along its way. But there's no magic, there's no magic potion, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I think I'll just jump to the next question because it's quite similar and I don't know if you'll have any addition to that, but tips on regulating your cycle after having a baby while still breastfeeding. Yeah, again, I mean, it's just, it's very similar to what to what I've been saying, yeah. but absolutely making sure you're eating enough calories, getting enough protein, getting enough fluid, checking your iron, your B12, your magnesium, and having omega-3 fatty acids. So, yeah, they and following that that Mediterranean style diet, um, yeah, they're going to be your best bets on helping to regulate your cycle. Um, if you're still breastfeeding, but ultimately your body's very, it's very good at sort of, like I said, protecting itself 
um, increasing its nutrient stores. So the more you can nourish it with good nutrition, then the more you're going to, um, you know, optimize your chances. But yeah, your your likelihood of conceiving is lower. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. sorry. I wish I had a magic a magic bullet, but the body's body's very <laughs> yeah. clever. I can't I can't override yeah. that. Okay, perfect. Well, that is all the questions I've got for today. I'm sure there's hundreds more that I could ask you, and hopefully we can make this a bit of a regular thing. Um, yeah, I'd love to, love to. It's, um, it's yeah, a wonderful so, podcast you have. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to make sure that we get all of your info out there if anybody wanted to get in touch. So do you do any online consultations or anything like that, or is it only in person? Yeah, so I definitely do virtual consultations. So it's quite a quite a large part of my um, practice. So I have, if you're in Christchurch, I have a face to face clinic. Um, but yeah, virtual clinic virtual appointments are available, and I do late nights, um, quite variable hours. So um, so that's quite helpful for people. And I think actually a lot of my clients enjoy having virtual consultations from the comfort of their own home. Um, so yes. if you wanting to talk to me or um, book an appointment the best thing to do would be to head over to my website fertilitynutrition.co.nz you can book a free chat with me um, or you can book a virtual consultation or a face-to-face consultation Um, yeah okay perfect awesome and I'll also pop your Instagram in the show notes as well so that people can um, follow you over there because I love the info that you share and try to encourage it on my page too. So thank you very yeah, much for one. joining me um, on the podcast oh, today, pleasure. Claudia. And yeah, like I said, hopefully it becomes a bit of a regular thing because I think you've got such valuable information. So thank you. Oh, good one. Well, um, yeah, I hope people can take some um, things away from today and, and make one or two quick changes to to their lifestyle. And yeah, um, if anyone wants to learn more or have a chat, then yeah, just get in touch. Would lo- I'd love to help. Yeah, awesome. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback, so either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.